2 Kings chapter 4, and we are going to uh, continue in our study of the life of Elisha. And we're looking at these three days uh, that we find in uh, Elisha's interaction with this Shunammite woman. She is unnamed. We do not have... We do not have her name. We know where she's from. We know she's married. We know that uh, she felt compelled to uh, build a, well, to feed the man of God as he passed by on his way in ministry. And then she felt compelled to build a prophet's chamber, what we would call a prophet's chamber. Built that for the man of God and a place for him to stay while he was on his uh on his journeys, that was day one. Day two is what we're going to look at tonight. It begins in verse 11, and uh, I want to look at that. There's three divisions of this story. It goes all the way to verse 37, but it's all divided up by that little phrase, it fell on a day, it fell on a day. You find that in verse 8, verse 11, verse 18. And we looked at how that first day, I called it a day of serving. A day of serving. There's going to be days in our life that God has given us resources. He has put people in our path and He expects and desires for us to help those people. Uh, and there are days of service where the overwhelming uh, atmosphere, the overwhelming tenor, the overwhelming whatever, I'm not sure what the word I'm trying to look up, but the, the overwhelming uh, narrative of your story is going to be service. It's a time for service. For You know, the Bible talks about it's good to, to bear the yoke in your youth. There are times that, it's good, that it is right, it is appropriate uh, for service. There are going to be days uh, where God has blessed you, God has given you something, and He puts somebody in your path with a need, and you need, to, you need to meet that need. You don't have to pray about it, fast about it 40 days in the wilderness somewhere. If, they, if, you, if you got it, and they need it, and it's a legitimate need, then, you know, meet the need. It's, uh, it's not that tough. Uh, generosity, we complicate generosity because we're not generous. Do you know what complicates generosity? Stinginess. That's what complicates generosity. It's really not that, it's really not that complicated. If you got it, they need it. It's a legitimate need. Well, then, uh, you know, then just do it. Then just do it. We have, I had a guy show up this morning uh, after church. He didn't come to church. He just came by after church because he needed something, you know. And we've had that happen several times here. And, uh, and you know what? I thought about asking, well, where, where were you an hour ago? You should have showed up and come to church. And I probably should have said that. But I'm just like, well, he needed some gas to get to Kannapolis. It's not that far. All right, well, let's get you some gas then. So I followed him over, to, or he followed me over to the Patriot, put a little gas in his car. He needed something to eat. So I was like, well, go in the Patriot, this great smorgasbord, and pick out whatever you want. <laughs> I treated him like one of my kids. You can pick out two things. No, I'm just kidding. I didn't, I didn't tell him that. But he, I, I don't know if his need was legitimate or not. Who knows? But... Uh, you know, if man needs a little gas, needs a little, I'm not going to give him some money, but if he needs a little gas, needs something to eat, if he comes by, somebody comes by and says they're hungry, I mean, I'm going to take him to Patriot, buy him a hot dog, hey man, so that's the least we could do. That is almost like the very least you could do for somebody, but he had a need. I don't know. He had a need. I, I, I could fill the need. I had the church debit card in my wallet, hey man. <laughs> 
Uh, so the church paid for the gas, and I bought them the hot dog, all right, personally. But, uh, so we can meet the need, so hey, let's help somebody out. You know what today was? Today was a day of service. It was a, it was a time of service, and there are going to be days like that in your life. But there are other days as well. Look at verse 11. It fell on a day that he came thither, and he turned into the chamber and lay there. And he said to Gehazi, the servant, Call this Shunammite. And when he had called her, she stood before him. And he said unto him, Say now unto her, Behold, thou hast been careful for us with all this care. What is to be done for thee? Wouldest thou be spoken for to the king or to the captain of the host? And she answered, I dwell among mine own people. And he said, What then is to be done for her? And Gehazi answered, Verily, she hath no child, and her husband is old. And he said, Call her. And when he had called her, she stood in the door. And he said, About this season, according to the time of life, thou shalt embrace a son. And she said, Nay, my lord, thou man of God, do not lie unto thine handmaid. And the woman conceived and bare a son at that season that Elisha said unto her, According to the time of life. Her first day was a day of blessing. Her second day, or her first day was a day of serving. Her second day is what I'm going to call a day of blessing. It is when God is giving her a blessing. Her third day, as we'll see, Lord willing, next Sunday night, uh, is a day of testing. There's a day of testing coming up. And those are the three days of your life. You'll find that most of the days that you live, and when I say day, I'm not necessarily talking about 24-hour periods of time. I'm talking about seasons of life or even just moments of life. They're going to fall into those three categories right there. There will be days of serving where God has given you an obligation or responsibility. He's given you the resources. Uh, he's given you the, the, the insight into somebody's need, and He expects you to fill that need and be a blessing to them in their life. There are days of testing. In fact, I would say that we all... Uh, we all are very familiar with days of testing. Those, are, those days are more readily identified than I think the other days. Uh, and uh, there are days of deep trial and confusing days and times where we scratch our head and we don't understand why things are happening the way they are. She has a day like that that will be coming up here in a few years. But, but this day, this day is a day of blessing that God is, is blessing her and giving her the desire, the deepest desire of her heart or maybe even something that, that, that had been the desire of her heart that she had let go of and buried a long time ago and yet he digs up that hope and he gives her that desire of her heart, a son to have a child. And so we find that these are days of blessing and to understand the magnitude of this woman's blessing, you'd have to understand the, the reproach that, that would have been on her for not having a child. Understand, it almost seems like it's a... And some women wear it like a badge of honor in these, these days, these feminist days that we live in, that they don't have children, and, and they brag about, well, I can do whatever I want, I don't have kids, and you know, or whatever, and it's almost a... You know, there's not the shame and the reproach that when children were a sign of blessing, it was a sign that God was blessing your home, and that, and that, and that you were favored in the eyes of God. And so barrenness, uh, by, by uh, con, you know, con, 
Conversely, barrenness would be uh, uh, a sign of God's judgment on your life. If you didn't have a child, if you were barren, that was God's judgment. And so she lived her days kind of under a shadow of, uh, of shame and reproach. And because she did not have a child, was God angry with her? Was God mad at her? Of course, we know that wasn't the case at all. And that's not how we should judge situations. Uh, uh, the, the blessings or the lack thereof does not necessarily mean God's approval or disapproval. There's much more to the story than that, but it almost seemed that way. And of course, I'm sure that was the desire. Just as a as a woman, as a keeper of the of the home, she wanted to uh, she wanted to have a child and hold a son and raise raise a child. But that never happened for her. And then all of a sudden, out of the blue, here it comes. Her deepest longing, a desire of her heart. She is given a child. What a blessing that is. Happiness beyond beyond imagination. Even when she didn't ask for it, God just gave it to her anyway. What a blessing. What's the, what is the, uh, what's the main theme of this passage right here? What is the, what's the main idea? Well, I think it's not, it's not very complicated to understand. Sometimes we complicate things, don't we? We make things way, way, way more complicated. We're looking in trying to find some deep hidden meaning and you know the Illuminati might be in here, the mark of the beast or something like that. None of that's going on. It's just a very simple, just a very simple theme. And that just is this. God is a good God. And God gives good gifts. And, 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 and every good gift, James says, and every perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights, coming from above, coming down from the Father of lights with whom is no variables, neither shadow of turning. God is a giver of good things and God is the blesser. And everything good that you have in your life, it comes from God. Every blessing that you have, it comes from Him. He is a good God and He gives good gifts to us every single day of our life. Really, if you think about it, every single day of our life is a day of blessing. Isn't that right? The very air that you breathe in, the very, the very uh, health that you might have, remaining health that you might have, you know, that is the gift of God. Whatever remaining brain cells you have that are firing, and if you got any of that touch each other every now and then, that's a blessing of God. Amen. I'm glad I got to wake up this morning and I knew who I was. Amen. Isn't that a blessing? And I knew where I was. <laughs> and I remembered what I did last night. That's a blessing. And I was able to get up out of bed and put my, put my feet on the, on the floor and I was able to get up and walk. Man, that's a blessing. Sometimes you got to have them things taken from you before you realize what a blessing. I, I've, I haven't had it in years because of some medicine I'm on, but, but uh, I've had gout in my feet. If you've ever had gout in your feet, you know that it is the absolutely most horrible thing in all the world, worse than anything that you've ever been through. I promise you. <laughs> Not necessarily, but... It's bad in the sense that you don't just you don't just get up and walk and, and you take that for granted. You know that you just get up out of the bed and walk to the bathroom and you can't you got gout in your feet and you can't walk. Feels like somebody took a sledgehammer to your foot. You can't just get up and walk to the bathroom. My grandmother had to loan me her cane. That's bad right there. You just take little things like that for granted. I, keep a, I got a pair of crutches in my office right now. I just keep them in there because you never, in an hour that you think not, <laughs> gout just comes upon you. 
and you take those just those little things for granted. Every day is a day of blessing. But, 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 there are some days when it is just absolutely overwhelming how good God has been in your life. Listen, I know it's so easy to look back and see all the negative days and all the bad days, and I know it's easy to pick them out real good. But listen, I'm telling you, I don't care how bad you've had it. You've had a few days in your life where it was just some of the best days of your life. And God, just for whatever reason, for whatever purpose it was, He poured it out on you and gave you a great blessing. And there are days like that. There are days of of blessing when we are in seasons of blessing. And, And I thank God for that. There are valleys. Yes, there are valleys. But man, there are mountaintops too. And I know they don't. I know they don't always last, and sometimes you fall off of them pretty hard. <laughs> Amen. But I want to thank God for the mountains. Amen. Thank God for the valleys, but thank God for the mountaintops. Man, Miss Laura, when you get one of them phone calls like, hey, we, got, we, we, we took up an offering for you. We got one of them big checks. Miss Laura gets them big checks all the time. Man, I'm jealous. Amen. One of them. Man, you know, she's doing a work for God, and God just got to just bless her and pour it out on her. Isn't that a blessing? Man, we've had some days like that where, man, it's just been, you know, just, just look over your life and think, you know, like maybe the day our your children are born or, or uh, you know, the day that you got married or the day, just, I mean, all kind of things. Just, I don't know, there's some services I can look back on around here, some Sundays where I think, man, there have been some Sundays when it wasn't so great, but there's been Sundays where, man, this is a time of blessing, amen. You ought to thank God for it. You say, well, I'm not in one of them times right now. Well, just sit there and put your lip out then. Be fine. Amen. Just sit there and put your lip out because you probably won't ever have another one. Or you can look back and thank God for those days of blessing. And you can sit there and wait on another one. Amen. And just praise God until He gives you another one. It'll be all right. I just, a couple observations. I just, I didn't mean to make y'all mad right there. But I thought about a couple things about, uh, about the day of blessing. Just a couple observations from this text here. First of all, I want you to notice what is preceded by the blessing. What is preceded by the blessing? What comes before the blessing? What come, it's hard to ignore this fact. It's really hard to ignore this. There is a, there is a direct connection from, uh, uh, from her day of serving to her day of blessing. There's a, there's a connection that cannot be denied because uh, if you notice in verse number 11, it fell on a day that he, that's Elisha, he came thither and he turned into the chamber and lay there. Where is Elisha laying at? He's laying in that chamber. Where did that chamber come from? That chamber came out of this widow woman's, or she's not a widow woman, this Shunammite woman's, uh, that was the woman before, the Shunammite woman's day of serving where she saw an opportunity to fill a need and be a blessing and she compiled uh, uh, her resources together and she, she asked people and she moved things and she had things come together and she put together this prophet's chamber for the man of God just to be a blessing. And so her day of serving has led to this day of blessing. It's no mistake that it works this way. This is how it works in God's economy. Serving and blessing are connected together. And it is when Elisha is laying in this chamber that is a direct result of her day of service that he begins to think what can we do for her 
He's laying on that bed. He's looking at that table and that stool that they have put in that room. He's, he's being, he's being uh, uh, illuminated by the candlestick that they had put in that room. He's being sheltered by the roof that that, that, that family has provided over his head uh, while he is on his journey. And it is while he's laying in that very bed that was provided for him that he starts thinking, okay, what can I do to be a blessing to her? And the text makes a direct connection between the day of serving and the day of blessing. In fact, I think it's safe to assume that if she had never fulfilled her day of service, then she would have never enjoyed her day of blessing. Service and blessing are connected directly. Blessing comes from service. Serving God. Let me just put it like this. This is real simple. Don't let it go over your head now. Serving God is the blessed life. That is where blessing comes from. It comes from serving Him. Got that song we sing sometimes. All the good things have come from what? From serving you. And when she was able to hold a child in her arms after years of infertility and years of, 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 of no children at all, a barren womb and an empty house, and she's holding a child in her arms, she has to look at that child and say, God, all the good things in my life have come as a result of serving you. I'm glad I stopped that preacher. I'm glad I made that meal. I'm glad we put this prophet's chamber together. I'm glad he stayed right here. You know why? Because it led directly to this blessing. And I'm here to tell you that the greatest blessings in life, they come from serving Jesus. They do. They do. In his service. Listen, if you want to be connected to a God, if you want to be connected to a God who blesses and this blessing of God, this blessing God that we have, get in his service. There were blessings experienced that would have never been unless she had sacrificed her time and her energy and her resources. I'm here to tell you, God will be a debtor to no man. You're not going to give him something, and he ain't going to turn around and give you and bless you much more than you ever gave to him. That's the way things work in God's economy. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Shall men give unto your bosom. Isn't that right? Listen, you'll reap what you sow. If you sow sparingly, you'll reap sparingly. But if you sow bountifully, then you will reap bountifully. That is the way this thing works. If you want blessing in your life, if you want a day of blessing, well, then fulfill your day of service. Amen. And it's not just that God is, you know, you do this and God will do that. You do good things and God will do good things. That's not what I'm talking about. You've got to get the whole story. And listen, there's a third day coming, all right? You've got to get the whole story. It ain't sow your seed of $77, you know, and God will bless you. You know, you give to Chris Simpson Ministries International and God's going to, you know, bless you tenfold or whatever. Of course, if you want to try that, I mean, that's fine, you know. We'll see what happens. But I ain't what I'm talking about. But I am talking about this. I'm talking about you getting involved with what God is doing. See, many times we're frustrated because we keep 
trying to get God to bless what we're doing. God, bless what I'm doing. Bless what I'm doing. Bless what I'm doing. This woman, I don't know. I, I don't want to be, I don't want to, you know, fill in blanks that aren't there. But I, I listen, maybe, maybe, maybe for years she prayed, God, bless me with a child. Bless me with a child. Bless me with a child. I don't know that happened. I'm just saying maybe it could have happened. And the child never came. No answer came. Barrenness still persisted in her life. But immediately when she quit trying to get God to bless what she was doing and she started getting involved what God was doing, the blessing came. And there, it's a, it's a paradigm shift, isn't it? Where we're not trying to get God to bless what we're doing. You get involved with what God is doing, and I promise you, the blessings are there. She got connected to the supernatural when she got connected to Elisha. Because listen, God's not going to be a debtor to no man. Didn't He say? He said, Jesus said this, Matthew 10, He that receiveth the prophet. In the name of a prophet shall receive what? A prophet's reward. You bless, you get involved in my work. God says, you get involved in my work, and I'll get involved in your life. I mean, that is the way this thing worked, and it is when she stepped up and she entered into this spiritual work. And when she did that, when she, when she stepped out of her natural life and stepped into the supernatural work of God and involved, and she wasn't a prophet. She wasn't a preacher. She can't heal anything. She can't part water. She can't do it. She can't do anything. She can't raise the dead. She can't do any of the things. But you know what she did? She did what she could do. She can cook a meal. She can make a room up. She can make a bed. She can be hospitable. And she did what she could. But she got involved in the eternal and the supernatural. And then the blessing started flowing in her life. It's no mistake. It's no coincidence. I read, I read one commentator that said that, uh, well, it must have been, this guy's a dummy. I don't know why I read that book. It's stupid. It's not Joyce Meyer. I love her. Y'all know that. <laughs> this, this one dummy said, it said, well, she was probably going to have the baby anyway. Elisha was just there to be able to let her know about it. I'm like, you're a dummy. Have that baby. That baby was directly a result of her getting involved in God's work. It was a blessing she received for serving God, getting involved in it, and, and opening herself up, exposing herself, attaching herself, connecting herself to the work of God. A lot of people, listen, you're not going you're gonna live the mundane and just the ordinary and the routine, and you're gonna struggle and strive and, and just and just sc- scratch along an existence because you're all wrapped up in your own life. Get involved in the work of God. That's where the miracles are. That's where the where be all the miracles. I'll tell you where all the miracles be. They're in the work of God. That's where God's moving and God's working. Amen. I love it, don't you? Man, I love it. If I went so fat, I'd run a little bit, man. I love being involved in the work of God. I'll tell you what precedes blessing, serving God. Number two, not only what, notice what is preceded by the blessing, but secondly, notice what is proclaimed by the blessing. What does this blessing proclaim in her life? Well, the, the, the nature of this woman's blessing is not an unfamiliar theme in the Bible. If you're a Bible student at all, it's almost like when you start reading about a woman that's barren. When, it's almost like when you start reading about a woman that, 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 that wants a child, it's like you know, you know what's going to happen next, don't you? And we know, oh, we know where this is going. Watch out, hey, you better go ahead and register on Amazon. You about to have a baby. 
when the Bible starts talking about a barren woman and starts describing her, she's about to, she's about to have a baby. Because we know we're, we, we've just read it too many times in the Bible. We know, we know where this is going. We, we know where this story is going to end up because there are barren women in the Bible that, that are given miracle babies. Uh, you'll find, uh, I'll, I'll give you the list. I'll give you the list. There's seven of them, seven of them in the Bible. There's Sarah. Y'all remember Sarah? Isn't it amazing that when God, uh, when God wanted to uh, start a brand new uh, race and, um, <laughs> and, and, and a, a, a people that are as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore, when God wanted to do all that, He picked an old, decrepit man and an old, barren woman. Isn't that amazing? But yet God did it. God did it. And Sarah has a child. After even, and it's not, and God didn't even just pick a bunch of old people and say, all right, hurry up. We ain't got much time. Let's get this done. No, he, he promised them, gave them the promise, and then made them wait. <laughs> so it went from impossible to impossibler. Because that's the way God does things. And so you would think, okay, well, that's neat, God. <laughs> that's great that you did that. But let's not, let's not do that anymore. But God does it again. Because then Isaac has a wife, and she's barren. And God gives her twins. And then you have Jacob's wife, the second one. She's barren. Rachel. And then you have... Later on in the story of the Bible, you have Hannah who could not have a child and prayed for a child. And God gave her a child by the name of Samuel. And then you have a woman, we don't know her name, but her husband's name is Manoah. I call her Mrs. Manoah. She, had a, she was barren and God touched her and she had a child. His name was what? Samson, that's right. Samson. And then you have the Shunammite woman. Of course, so we're talking about tonight. And then you have, in the New Testament, you have Elizabeth. We'll preach on that Sunday morning. You have Elizabeth, and her son is John the Baptist. That's right. Here's what's amazing about that list. I was looking over this list, and, 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 and every time, every time God gave miraculous conception to one of these women, Sarah, Rebecca, Rachel, Hannah, Mrs. Manoah, and Elizabeth, leave out our woman, Tonight, every time God gave miraculous conception to one of these women, these children that were born miraculously were important people that were uh, essential, seemingly, essential to what we would call the, the historic narrative of redemption the story of the people of God. Every one of those children are important. I would say that Sarah's son Isaac was important. I would say that Rebecca's son uh, Jacob was uh, important. I would say that Rachel's sons, the 12 tribes of Israel, of course I know she didn't have all of them, but, but uh, Joseph and Benjamin, especially, they were important to the story. Hannah, the, I mean, the, her son was a, was a major force in Israel and keeping them right with God. And, and, and God used Samuel in a great way in the nation of Israel, preserved them spiritually. Either God used one of these men that were born to preserve them physically or spiritually. They were essential to the nation of Israel. Either they're physical 
sustenance or their spiritual sustenance. Of course, Elizabeth, Miss Manoah, Samson. Samson delivered them from the Philistines several times. Uh, he didn't do all that he could do, but he did a lot. Uh, and then John the Baptist. He was important, obviously, not just to the nation of Israel, but he fulfilled prophecy in the coming of Christ, preparing the way of the Lord. All of these women that ever gave birth miraculously in the Bible, they all had children that were super important to the work and the plan of God. Except one woman. It's this woman right here. In fact, we don't even know her name. But we sure enough don't know her child's name. We're not given her child's name. He is nobody important. He is nobody essential. As far as we know, he doesn't run a nation. He doesn't run a territory. He doesn't preach a message. He doesn't do anything that would we would deem absolutely important at all in any way. He is absolutely, totally irrelevant to the lineage of Christ or the preservation of Israel. As far as we know, he grows up to be just some other Jewish guy living in Israel. Just some random guy. That's all he is. Isn't that amazing? Every other one is important. Every other one seemingly essential. Except this boy right here. He's absolutely, he's absolutely irrelevant, if you let me put it like that. I know nobody's irrelevant. Some of y'all are wincing at me just a little bit, but he doesn't do anything great that we know of at all. And you know what that tells us something about God? I think it tells us something wonderful about God. I think it tells us that sometimes God just blesses us. And sometimes God just gives you the desires of your heart, even when you don't need it. And even when he don't need you to, to have it. Sometimes God just blesses you and gives you a blessing. Just so you'll know he's a good God. Has God ever given you something you didn't need? Uh, can I say that's like 99% of the junk you got? Probably, probably 85, 90% of the junk we have in our garage and in our house. It's stuff we don't need. It's stuff we, listen, we don't need everything that we have. Listen, I don't need the car that I have. Listen, I, I probably need a vehicle, I guess, would be nice, but I don't have to have the one I got. I don't necessarily need the size house that I have. I like it. It's convenient, but listen, it's, uh, uh, we could live in a smaller space with a roof over our head. Listen, I don't need those things. I, I don't need this and I don't need that, but there are some blessings that God just gives you just because God is a good God and He just wants you to know hey I just want to bless you because I want to right. <laughs> you ought to thank God quit being a brat and thank God for it amen I'm talking myself too but mostly y'all man you Thank God for it. We get upset when our third car breaks down. And, you know, we get upset when, 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 not when life is devastated, but when life becomes inconvenient. We think we're going through Daniel's 70th week. We think it's the tribulation period. And, and, and we think it's the worst thing in the world. But can I tell you something? God, in fact, He tells us that. Doesn't He tell us that? In the, we studied that in 1 Timothy 6, where there's a God that just gives us things richly to enjoy. And I know some people don't understand that kind of God. Some people, some people have a God that is just real mean and, and, and cranky and, you know, like some, you know, frugal granny somewhere that you don't need that. <laughs> I 
I don't have anybody in mind when I'm saying that. What do you need that for? Well, maybe because it makes me happy. I don't know. Is it okay for God to give us stuff that makes us happy? Is it all right to have a God like that? Is that all right? Amen. <laughs> That's how God is. As far as I can see, this boy, he did, every, other, every other miraculous baby in the Bible was needed to carry on, <laughs> to carry on the nation of Israel. This boy, he just, he just grows up to be, a, yeah, I don't know, a farmer or something. I don't know what he is. He's out in the field when he has his little attack there. He just, he's just a random Jewish guy that made his mama happy when he come into the world. It's okay. It's blessing. You know what it does? It just proclaims the goodness of God, the grace of God. What if God just wants to give you something so he could see us happy? You ever give your children something that they don't need? Good Lord. Give them all kinds of stuff they don't need. But you know what? And I don't tell my kids this, but sometimes, every now and then, not, not as often as they would like, but sometimes it just makes me happy to give them something. Sometimes I just give them something. They don't need it. Good gracious, they don't need it. But I just want to give it to them just because I want to be happy. Now, I know my kids are going to exploit this after the service. To which I will reply, I'm already happy right now. I'm good. I'm feeling great. If I get depressed, come find me. Hey, man, I'll find you. <laughs> but sometimes God just wants to be good because it... it, it and I think, I think us fundamentalists sometimes, we think spirituality is like crankiness. You know, this cranky God just mad at everybody. All the time. Somebody said the definition of a fundamentalist is a, somebody that stays up at, all night worried that somebody somewhere is having a good time. <laughs> but, but as far as I can tell, God just gave her a child because he just wanted her to be happy. And that's the grace of God. That's the goodness of God. I'm glad we have a God like that, don't you? He knows what we need. He ain't going to give you most of the stuff you ask for because you ask amiss that you might consume it upon your own lust. But he does give us things richly to enjoy. We ought to give him glory for that. The least we could do is just use it for his glory, try to honor him with it, whatever he gives us, and at least thank him for it. And then let me give you one last little thought. These are just little observations here about the blessing that God gave her. I, I see it was connected to her service. Service preceded the blessing. Um, what is proclaimed by the blessing. It's the grace of God, the goodness of God. And then lastly, I want you to see what is produced by the blessing. Uh, this was an interesting observation to me that, and of course, I wanted to say something about her contentment. She's so content already. When, when she was asked, you know, here's a blank check, what can I do for you? She said, I, you know, I'm good. I dwell among my own people. I, I'm, I'm fine. And that really, isn't that the key to gain? Isn't that what the Bible says? Godliness with contentment is what? Great gain. She's already a blessed woman. She realized that. But I want you to see what is produced, and I, I'm done. I've preached long enough tonight. What was interesting to me is this, this woman's response to the blessing. Of course, she wouldn't even, she wouldn't even say it. 
And I don't know, it's, I don't think it's because she was so humble. I don't necessarily think it's because she was so modest that she wouldn't come out and say, hey, I, you're going to do whatever you want for me. I'd like a child. I think it was because, and I'll just give you a little, little Simpsonology here, but I think it was because um, she done gave up on that. I mean, that, that wasn't even in her mind. Even. That was just so beyond the realm of possibility. She was just content. This is the life God has given me. And, and this, is just, this is just what it is. She wasn't even thinking about the miraculous, the, the, the supernatural kind of things that God could do in her life. And so when she's asked, she, she's good. You know, she doesn't need anything. But Gehazi, the servant, says, well, she doesn't have a child. Her husband's old. Um, you know, so they're not, the, the chances of them having a child is, is, is none. And so verse 15, he said, call her. And when, she, and when he had called her, she stood in the door. And verse 16 is the proclamation. And here's what I'm interested in. And he said, about this season. So he's talking about next year. This time next year pretty much is what he said. According to the time of life, thou shalt embrace a son. Now that's when Elisha proclaims to her, here's what God is going to do in your life. You're going to have a son. And here's what I'm interested in. And she said, Yay, my Lord. <laughs> okay, that's what we expect her to say, right? I do. If, I mean, somebody's going to give you the greatest thing that you could, that you've ever, you know, beyond. It's really, it's literally beyond her wildest imaginations to have a child. And Elisha, the man of God, the prophet says, God is going to give you a child. You would think her response would be, yay. But her response is what? Nay. (laughs) It's not yay, it's nay. You think her response would be, thank you. Wow, that's amazing. I don't even know what to say. Thank you. Praise God. Maybe that would be a good response. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Maybe start speaking in tongues. I don't know. Something exclamatory. Something uh, that has some celebration in it. But she says, Nay, my Lord, thou man of God, do not lie. Under thine handmaid. You would think her, her response would be positive, but her response is negative. She says, Don't, don't lie to me. Don't, don't joke around with me about this kind of stuff. And that's what makes me think in this woman's life, and again, I'm not trying to fill in blanks right there, but that's what makes me think in this woman's life that she had done dealt with the reality of her situation in her life. It's, it's, this is what it is. I'm content. Okay, Lord, this is what you've done. This is it. I'm okay with it. And those hopes and dreams are buried, and they're all gone. And then when Elisha gets up start talking about children, and then feelings start flowing back, those hopes that she had put away, because how many of you know, I mean, hope deferred maketh the heart sick. And you can't live heart sick your whole life. At some point, you know, you know what I'm talking about when you get to be an adult and those dreams that you had as a kid or even as a young adult and, some, you know, some crazy things that you're going to be the CEO of some, you know, mega Fortune 500 company by age 28. 
Now you're 45 and you still live in your mom's basement kind of thing. Okay, that is not going to happen. And you just bury those you bury those hopes and you just think that that was that was another lifetime ago. That that's not even who I am anymore. That's not even the way I think anymore. And you bury those hopes all nice and neat and then here comes God and he starts stirring around in them. He starts poking those hopes in her life and she says, "Whoa!" Whoa, 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 whoa. I'd rather, I'd, rather, I'd rather not even talk about this. Don't lie to me. Do you see what's at stake here? Do you see what's at hand? The issue at hand is the trustworthiness of the information that she's receiving. Now what's at stake is can God be trusted Can God be trusted with my happiness? Can He be trusted with my life? And so what it seems like is is that this child has a greater purpose in her life than just her joy. Because I don't think she needs any help with her joy. Her joy seems to be just fine. It's not her joy that needs help. It's her faith. It's her faith that needs help. God is not giving her this blessing to increase her joy. God is giving her this blessing to increase her faith. And God is concerned about our faith. Sometimes God's got to stir things up inside of us that we (laughs) buried a long time ago just so He can show us that He can be trusted. And her blessing actually became the greatest source of faith in her life. Because when them first few signs of pregnancy began to appear in her life and in her body, she knew immediately right then, God can be trusted. What He says, He will do. And God is a trustworthy God. And every time she held that boy, and every time she saw her son, it was a testimony of the faithfulness of God. And yes, her joy grew, but her faith grew. And God was doing a work on her faith. Miss Maddie, you can come around the piano because I need to stop. I need to stop. But listen, why is it why is it that people always, uh, it seems like they always uh, use bad things and negative things, uh, evil things, to disbelieve God? Have you ever noticed that? You talk to somebody that maybe they're atheist, agnostic or something, and they say, well, if there is a God, then why do all these bad things happen in the world? Why are all these bad things going on? Why are all these bad things happening? If there is a God, why does He allow all these bad things? That's the wrong question to ask. That's the wrong question to ask. If there is a God, why do these bad things happen? Well, it's because we're bad people. We do bad things. We deserve the bad things. The question is, if there really is a God, why is He so good to us? Why, why is he so good in our life? Shouldn't it, shouldn't it be that blessings, it's not that evil 
proves that there is no God, but it ought to be that blessings and beauty proves that there is a God. And I tell you, one of the reasons that God, I believe, blesses us, and I want you to think about your blessings in your life this way. One of the, way, one of the reasons God gives you blessings, Mama, He's giving you them children. Daddy, He's giving you that family. Even material possessions, whatever it may be. One of the reasons that God blesses you is that not so it'll just increase your joy, but that it might increase your faith so that we could look at those blessings and say, man, there is a God. <laughs> no doubt about it. You look at that, look how good God's been. You look around at your blessings and you think, man, God is so good. He is so real. He is so faithful even when I'm not. And that's why God gave her that, ble- that boy, not just to increase her joy, not to make her happy, but to increase her faith so that she might trust God. And can I tell you, we are, we are warned when it comes to our material blessings not to trust in those uncertain riches, but to trust in, in the one who gave it to us. We don't worship creation. We worship the creator. And I tell you, when you look at blessings, yeah, that's good. Look at the blessings that God gave you. But don't forget, lift up your eyes. Look around. That's good. But then look up. Lift up your head to heaven and say, Lord, I know that these things are in my life because of you. And God, you've given me this blessing, so I will trust you more. What's sad is we take those blessings and we put our trust in those things. That's not what God ever meant for us to do. That's why, by the way, I don't want to get into the third day here, that day of testing. That's why when she lost it, she lost the boy. Understand, she, the boy died, but she didn't lose her faith because that boy produced faith in her life. Faith in God. I'm not saying she didn't wobble a little bit. Anybody would wobble. I'm not saying she was confused. Anybody would be confused. But they asked her, how's things going? Is everything all right? And she said, it's well. It's well. It's all right. It's going to be okay. You know why? Because God had already proven himself in her life. Let your blessings fuel your faith in God. Your day of blessing should not build your ego. Your day of blessing should not just build your joy and your happiness. Your day of blessing should build your faith in God and it should be what carries you through your days of testing. They're all related. Days of serving, days of blessing. Days of, days of testing. All right, let's stand together.